This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Well, since we're in church, here's a novel idea. Let's open our Bible. It's a big deal anymore, so if you need a Bible, once you get your hand up, and then our ushers will get you one. Once you get your Bible, go with me to the book of of uh, Luke chapter number 14 is where we're going to begin. This is our last week on uh, what it is next to be in a disciple of Christ. We've studied many things here. You know, the Lord Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples by your love. So we're going to take one more, one more of them today. And this one will talk a lot about the people you allow into your life, okay? And for every one of us, I've got to ask some questions here to begin. Are your earthly friendships more valuable or more important to you than your relationship with God? Quite a question. Here's another question for you. Do you give God first place in your life? See, oftentimes we may think we do, but do we really do that? Because man's approval will distort God's approval. And so with every one of us here, God wants us to help us to make wise decisions who you allow into your life. Friends, spouses, businessmen and women, boyfriends, girlfriends, and it's very important. So we'll begin today, Luke chapter number 14, verse 25. Now a great multitude went with Jesus, and he turned and he said to them. Now remember he says a great multitude, so there was a bunch of them. What Jesus is fixing to tell them, and you'll see this in this parable, that quality is more important than quantity. And the second thing that he'll point out to us through the Bible is the cost of true discipleship. And there is a cost to it. Keep reading, verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate. Now I want to stop right there because that word there, how it's used, can be very confusing. In this, it literally means in comparison to Father God. I can't put anybody above Father God in my life. One other translation, and this is the best one that helped me. The person who refuses to let go. To let go of of who? Mother, father, wife, children, brothers and sisters. Yes, and his own life also. He cannot be my disciple. Now what Jesus is getting over here to each one of us, that there must be a, a total allegiance to him and a loyalty to him That's even placed above mankind. Now, that doesn't mean I don't love mother and father, wife, children. That's not what he's saying. But again, these must be underneath my relationship with Jesus. And he said, you can't be my disciple. Verse 27. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So he gives two instructions there you got to bear your cross. He said, who doesn't bear his cross? Now, think about the cross for just a minute. That cross was symbolic of persecution, pain, suffering, sorrow. Now, he's given me and you a little bit of insight here. He said, you got to pick up your cross. And the next thing he said is, follow me. Live for me. Come after me or you cannot be my disciple." A dying to self-centeredness is what he's talking about. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and, and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. 
least after he has laid the foundation, is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him or ridicule him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Now the goal for every one of us as believers is to finish. It's not just to start. It's one thing to start, but it's another thing to finish. And throughout Scripture, it talks about a race that we're in, and we're, we're to run to the finish line. So when Jesus describes all this in this, this parable here, he's letting me and you know there's a cost. you got to consider this. There's going to be a cost for you to be a part of it. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Now right here he's letting me and you know. There's going to be some odds against you. There's going to be times that you're going to be outnumbered. There's going to be times that you may not be the majority. And also in this passage you see there is a danger. That this stuff as a Christian isn't always meant that we're to be happy, it's to be easy, it's to be convenient. And he's not against us being happy and all of that, but he's making a, a warning here and an expensive proposition. Verse 33. So likewise, who of you, whoever, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has, my selfish interests, Cannot be my disciple. There's got to be sacrifice. There's got to be surrender. There's got to be some things you give up. If you'd put that up there in the message. Watch this in the message translation. This really comes alive. Simply put. If you're not willing to take what is dearest to you. And whether plans or people. And kiss it goodbye. You cannot be my disciple. So again. What he's getting over here in all this is, is I've got to put everything beneath him. He's got to be first place in my life in all I say and all I do. Now, if you'll notice in there, one of the things that he talked about was even you got to put people below your relationship with God. If we were to go back in verse 26 of that passage, it talks about all the people in our lives that we allow to influence us, whether good or bad. So the rest of the morning, we're going to look at passages of Scripture that what we do to get rid of people that are bad influences in our life. John 15, 2, the Lord Jesus said, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, I take it away or I prune it back. Not just you when you don't bear fruit in this life, but I want you to think about this. Who do you allow to speak into your life that doesn't bear kingdom fruit? In other words, there's going to be two types of people, one that will lead you to God and one that will lead you away from God. And so this morning here, turn to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to do a little bit of relational surgery today. And not only relational surgery, we're going to talk about it in in the, the text as far as character discernment. And part of character discernment is I allow ones who impact me with the kingdom of God into my life And I get rid of those ones that are toxic. i got to get them out of my life. Galatians chapter 5, verse 7. You ran well. You ran what well? You ran this race called life well. In other words, you counted the cost. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Now this is a good verse to mark right here, the last part of verse 7. 
If you'll note, the Apostle Paul said, who hindered you from knowing or doing the truth? He didn't say what. He said, who? Listen to it in the, the, the message translation. It says, who cut in, in, who cut in on you, deflecting you from the true course of obedience? The New Living says, you were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? So right here, the Apostle Paul gives us a warning that there will be people that will try to be a part of your life that will keep you from living the truth. Verse 8. This persuasion or this detour does not come from him who calls you. In other words, this wasn't from God. God's the God who wants to lead you into freedom. Verse number 9. A little leaven leavens the whole blunt. Now, if you were to study the little leaven that he's talking about, he likes it to just a little, little bit of yeast. And that little bit of yeast, it changes the entire batch of dough. Just, Just a little, little, little bit affects the whole package of dough. And so in his liking here, it's the same way that it just takes one person in our life To mess us up. One bad apple will spoil the whole bunch. And so with me saying that. Who in your life. Have you refused to get rid of. Now I'm going to put all this together okay. It's going to come out better than it may sound. With how I presented that. Because I want you to understand. I love people. I love people. But every one of us know this. That there are certain people that we get around in life. That lead us in the wrong direction. How about this statement? You run with the snakes, you'll get bit. How many of you have ever seen that in your life? I've seen it firsthand. Firsthand in my own life. The bad thing about me saying that, there was one time in my life, I was the snake. You didn't want to be around me because I would have led you in situations that weren't good. Now, to go a little further, go to the book of Romans, chapter number 8. Romans, chapter 8. And we'll let the Bible teach us here some things. But again, part of being a disciple of Christ, he let us know that I I can't put people. I can't put people above my relationship with God. Romans 8, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds or they think on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Now, if we break down that verse, there's only two types of people. There's only two categories. There's flesh people, and there's faith people, or or, or people who are of the Spirit of God. When he talks about the flesh people here that he's mentioning in this verse right here, flesh people, they are the ones that are dominated by their sinful nature. Their sinful desires. But the person of the Spirit is the one who says, I desire the things of God. I want the things of God to erupt in my life. So when we invite people to come into our lives, not only do I get what they look like and how they appear on the outside, but I get their heart, I get their spirit, and I get their nature. Now, flesh people, they'll drain you. Flesh people, they'll lead you away from God. Where people of the Spirit, they fill you back up and they persuade you or they push you to say, you want to serve God, you need to serve the things of heaven. 
So it's important that you learn to fill your life with people that want the things of God for you instead of draining. Now, let me give you a couple flags here this morning. These are red flags. These are strong, strong warnings that you'll see play out in your life. You'll turn from the things of God when you begin to isolate yourself from godly people. When you begin to avoid godly people. When you begin to run from godly people. Here's a thought for you. I want to be around people that tell me what I need to hear instead of what I want to hear. People that will tell me the truth. People that will correct me. People that will scold me at times. How many of you have ever had a person that got after you and said, you can't? I did. I thank God for that person that was really difficult and hard at times with the stuff he'd say, but it was always the truth. The second strong warning I want to give you is it's a sure sign that you're, you're, you're on the verge of experiencing spiritual difficulties when you avoid the house of God. Hebrews 10.25 says, don't forsake the assembling together. Something happens when we come in here and we worship God together. And I believe part of it is we come into the presence of God. And when you come into the presence of God, your life begins to change. Two strong warnings there. Verse number six. For, the, for to be carnally or fleshly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Think about what he just said. To live by the flesh You have a death-like existence. To live by the Spirit of God, the things of God. When I crave the things of God, it's life and peace. So he warns me right here that if I'm not experiencing life and peace in my life, it's it's a good thought or a good possibility that you're not surrounding yourself with the things of God. Now think in these terms. Do the people I allow into my life on a daily basis, are they flesh people? Because if they're flesh people... They're, quo- they're, they're coated with the spirit of death. But when I get around godly people, not perfect people, I'm not speaking being perfect, but I am speaking people that don't like to sin, or when they do sin, they repent of it. They're people of life. That's who I want to influence me. Here, here's, here's a great thought for you. When God wants to bless you, he sends, sends godly people into your life. When the devil wants to curse you, he sends ungodly people into your life. Verse 7. Because the carnal or the flesh mind is enmity or hostility against God, for it is not subject to the law. So then those who are in the flesh, they cannot please God. Now, it can't be more simpler than that. So when I gravitate toward the things of the flesh, you know what the things of the flesh are? Just the things of this world I desire. I'm dominated by what I see, what I feel, what I smell, what I think. But he said right here, they can't please God. It's impossible. What about the people I run with? So there's severe consequences. I'm going to either be around the ones that are are men and women of God, or I'm not. I'm going to help you a little bit here this morning. Just think about the people that you allow into your life right now. Who do you run with? Who do you allow to speak into your life? 
Because if you want to see the future or the direction you're going to go into, just look who you're running with. Do you say amen or do you say oh me? Now I will tell you this, you run with a liar, you'll become a liar. You run with a thief, you'll become a thief. You run with the fornicator, you'll be a fornicator. You run with the ungodly, you'll be ungodly. But if you run with the godly, something begins to happen. When you run with men and women that say, you know what, we're going to live by faith. We're going to be men and women of prayer. We're going to be women of, men and women of integrity, of men and women of character. I don't know about you, that's who I like to be around. And again, I'm not preaching perfectionism. Man, God doesn't expect us to be perfect. But when I do blow it, again, sin bothers me. I don't like to sin. Now go with me to the book of, of uh, Jonah, chapter number 1. Jonah chapter, you say, oh my gosh, why do you do that to us? Well, Jonah's tucked in there between Obadiah and Micah. Probably where your pages are all stuck together, maybe. I don't know, it'll help you a bit, but that is page 1196 in my Bible. I want you to see this passage here today because there are some great nuggets in it that will pertain to every one of us in this room today. We begin in the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for the wickedness has come up before me. Now, here he, he looks to this man named Jonah. And he said, the city of Nineveh has become so ungodly that it's got God's attention. This shows me a couple things. Number one, the mercy of God. God loves people. God goes after people and he uses this man to do it. Think about this in your, your own life. God loves you enough that he'll send people to cross your path. Now, this is how much God loves the world right here. Instead of saying, I'm just going to destroy Nineveh, he said, I'm going to send you, Jonah, and you're going to tell them the truth. Verse 3. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with him to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, what you see here, God gives him this assignment, and he said, listen, dude, Go to Nineveh. But you know what? Instead of going to Nineveh, he goes to Tarshish. So we see right here immediately that Jonah has become disobedient to what God's asked him. And so instead of running to God, he's running away from God. I've run from God. Can I tell you about running from God? It's not a pleasant journey. And on top of that, you're never going to get away. He loves you that much that he pursues you and he pursues you and he pursues you. But every one of us in this room that ever been disobedient to a command of God, if you'll look at the last part of verse 3, this is what happens to us. It says that he left the presence of God. That's not good. I don't know about you, but I want to be around people that have the presence of God in their life. Verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea... 
And there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God. And if you'll notice there, the word God in that verse is little g. So these mariners, they don't serve the great Jehovah. They don't serve Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the only God, the true God. So they cry out to their God. And they threw the cargo that was on the ship into the sea to lighten the load. So they're crying out to their gods and they're throwing stuff overboard. They're getting, we don't want to sink. We don't want to die. But check this out about old Jonah. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. You know what this shows me? He could care less about everybody else. His conscience didn't bother him one bit. I don't care what happens to you. This is in general what he's thinking and saying. Verse number 7. So the captain came to him and said to Jonah, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots. Now let me tell you a little bit about what casting lots is. You don't want to do this, okay? It's not the way that God operates, but the casting of lots was what they did with pagan gods. It was very superstitious. It will be like throwing dice. The message said they drew straws. It would be like this saying, you know what? If it rains tomorrow, then I I know, Father God, that's not from you for me to do this. It's like a fleece. The Bible's very clear in Romans 8, verse 14, 15, and 16. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. He says in verse 16, the Spirit of God will bear witness with your spirit. So again, this is what the ungodly do. They play games. They roll dice, okay? So they cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot so happened fell on Jonah. So when the lot fell on Jonah, they looked and said, that's our problem right there. Jonah's the problem. Then they said to him, please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? In Proverbs 26, 2, this is a great proverb. It says, a curse can't come without a cause. In other words, there's got to be things that I've opened the door up to my life in order for a curse to come. And so they say right here, for whose cause is this trouble come upon us? What's your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? What people are you? So Jonah said to them, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Now when he said that, you can tell he didn't fear him very much. He's running from him. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and they said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Now once again, you don't want to hang out with people that are running from God. You want to hang out with people that seek God, that pursue God. Verse 11, then they said to him, what shall we do to you that you may, that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more temptuous. It's getting worse and worse. What do we do? And Jonah said to them, pick me up and throw me to the sea. Throw me overboard. Listen to what he goes on to say. Then the sea will be calm for you. For I know this great tempest is because of me. Jonah knew all the problems that they were experiencing was because of me. So his remedy here, he says, throw me overboard. 
Now read into this a little bit more. If Jonah knew he was the problem, why didn't he voluntarily say, I'm going to jump overboard? Why did he say, throw me overboard? Because a lot of times in people's lives, they want to make you feel guilty for you doing what's right. It's kind of like this. It's like the 45-year-old man that still lives at home with his mother. And he looks at his mother and says, you can't kick me out. I'll be homeless. What will I do? It's kind of like the mooch or the free free rider who says, you can't do that to me. Do you realize what would happen in my life? See, again, you'll always have people that will try to play on you. But remember this, you can't do for other people what they won't do for themselves. And when you look at this biblically, I can't change anybody. Either can you. How many people can you rescue? None. Only God can do that. And so again, don't let people play on you like that. You're not God. Keep reading. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to the land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Here's what's interesting about this. Jonah tells them, I'm the problem. And some of us in this room, we know the people we associate, they can be the problem. See, sometimes in life, you're not the problem. The people you run with are the problem. They, they begin to, to lead you in ways they shouldn't. And so in this passage here, Jonah tells them, Throw me overboard and you'll experience calm. So this is what it looks like. Instead of doing what he prescribes, they decide, let's row a little faster. Let's row a little faster. Again, Jonah could have cared less about them, but you can't get a blessing when there's sin in someone's life. You can't change that. Now watch what happens. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and they said, we pray, O Lord, Please do not let us perish for Jonah's life and do not charge us with innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it has pleased you. Now he said, number one, don't let us drown and two, don't blame us for what happens to Jonah. But they realize if Jonah stays in our ship, we're going down. So they picked up Jonah and they threw him into the sea. They throw Jonah overboard and look what happens. And the sea ceased from its raging. Think about this in your life. You want to experience peace in your life? Throw Jonah overboard. Get him out of your life. Get her out of your life. And you may say, man, that sounds hard. That sounds so hard. Let me tell you the rest of the story here. Remember, they throw Jonah overboard. And God loves Jonah so much that God says, you know what I'm going to do for Jonah? I'm going to really get his attention because I love him so much. So God puts this GPS on this whale and he comes cruising in. Dun, 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 dun. And next thing old Jonah realizes, he's in the belly of the whale for three days. Now, when you're in the belly of the whale, God's got your undivided attention. What do I mean? There is no ESPN. There's no HGTV. There's no drive through Dairy Queen. There's no cell. When you're in the belly of the well, God's got you right where he wants you. And so when we look at that in his life, God did for Jonah what only God could do. 
The, the mariners couldn't save him. And so this literally turns out good when we turn the Jonas over and they say, there you go, God, he's yours. And so Jonah ultimately repents and he does what God tells him. But what about the guys who threw him over? Well, watch this in verse 16. Then the men, the mariners, they feared the Lord. They feared God exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and they took vows. You know what the vows were, I believe? They said, you're God. We received you as God. There is no other God. We received the God of Jonah. And then they made sacrifices. They started worshiping God. See, many times in our life, we don't worship God because Jonah's in our life. We're too preoccupied with the people we allow to associate life with. And again, I've been on both sides of that coin. After I got born again... I had this brilliant thought at times in my life. I'm going to go back to all the bars. I'm going to go back to all my partying buddies. And I'm going to win them all to Jesus. That was a great thought. So I would go back to the bars to win them all to Jesus. And guess who would win out? They would. You know why? At that point in my life, I wasn't strong enough to be around them without them influencing me. But if you look at Jesus' life, Jesus was always around the sinners. But they didn't influence Jesus. Jesus influenced them. Now, I can tell you this in my life right now. I can be around alcohol anytime I want. It's not going to affect me a bit. But there was a point in my life I couldn't be. And so, again, I, I love people, but think about in this sense right there's, there's people that we allow into our life that you know every time you get around them, you're going to get in trouble. I had a buddy who was a thief. I promise you, every time we would get around him, we would get in trouble for him thieving. I promise you. Again, I, 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 had, I had buddies that would lie every time. I mean, you, you begin to see how it played over and over. I chose to be around them. But if you got Jonas in your life, get him out of your life. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.